Paint pros know what you don't paint is just as important as what you do paint. So the Home Depot has bulk pricing on a full assortment of 3M painters, tapes, and paint essentials. Everything you need, every day. Like 3M hand masker film and scotch painters tape. For the cleanest results on every paint job, 3M and the Home Depot have got you covered. With bulk price savings on 3M paint essentials. Every day, only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. U.S. only. So welcome everyone to our What About Dads uh, discussion forum. I'm LaTanya Moore. I'm your host and moderator for this evening. I have with me uh, Mr. Mario Brown, who is the founder of Empowerment for Life. And then I have David Smith Sr., who is the co-founder of the Children's Rights Fund. Welcome, Mario, and welcome, David. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, awesome. So... Guys, you know, of course, before we got started, we were talking about a number of things. Um, I'm, I'm good with just jumping, jumping right in. I think, that, you know, it's not a lot of, uh, it's not a big philosophical discussion, but I know that, uh, well, let me, let me back up because some of the people, they may not know you guys. So David, tell us a little bit more about the Children's Rights Fund and who you are and what you do. Well, I'm the co-founder and executive director of the Children's Rights Fund. We're based here in Maryland. Um, we advocate for the rights of children and the rights of parents. That's both moms and dads. I'm one of the leading advocates for shared parenting in the state of Maryland to help bring that equality to parents and families, you know, so that those children can maintain um, equal access to mom and dad. Um, I also do a lot of stuff with parent involvement and father involvement in our school system. So my, my, my platform is, is definitely about the children and keeping the children on the table, but also protecting the parents, both moms and dads, extended families, whether it's grandparents, things like that. So, and that, that in a nutshell. Awesome. Thank you so much. Mario, your turn. Um, I am the founder of the Empowerment for Life um, which is a um, holistic type program for men and women uh, to empower them with life skills to live an empowered life in every area of their life. Um, we are now picking up the and trying to gain some traction with the uh, Dads Matter movement, where we're building men to be strong fathers. Um, where we're trying to give them a support system, build a community of support to allow them to understand that they are not forgotten. Um, I started looking at a lot of programs that were centered around moms, but there were very, very, very few that we saw readily available or known that would support the father. Um, I pastor also, so I run across a lot of men who feel forgotten. They don't have anywhere they can go um, and pick up support. So Empowerment for Life wanted to be a source to be able to reach these guys and make them whole because many of them are fragmented because they are misunderstood, they are disenfranchised, disconnected, overlooked. So Empowerment for Life just seeks to give them that support system to connect them with the help that they need and to kind of be a resource center for them. And it's interesting, Mario, that you mentioned support because, as you know, I've been doing a, a topical podcast with, with a number of people on this very issue about dads matter and, and what about dads. And almost consistently, when I ask the question about what are some things that you would like to see 
happen or some some uh, resources that you would like to see available, 97% of the people said support. For the most part, even even everyone with their own personal stories, that was the big thing. It was like, I really didn't have anybody there that could, man, just prop me up. You know, I just needed a crutch. You know, going through this, I didn't I didn't have that. So I love the fact that you that you mentioned that because I think that that is a major component and is something that I don't think is really valued or seen as a value when it comes to men. Uh, have you seen that, David, with the parents that you work with? Well, you know, also, you know, I am also the vice president of the 100 Fathers. So we actually have a program where we facilitate for our fathers and help them to become stronger men. But yes, we find that a lot of times that the resources for men and fathers is very low when it comes to support, you know, whether it's, you know, parent support, health support child support, meaning child support as far as daycare or, or things like that, when fathers are trying to, to get that, that need, you know, whether they're a single dad. Wow. That, that's really that all of that. I, I mean, we could just go so, so many places. Like I don't, I don't want us to talk about this all night because I think that we have, there's so much that we need to deal with. So this is what I want to do. I want to pull back for just a minute because David says something that is so crucial and so key that I want us to really talk about is parental equality. That's something that that's a term that I'm hearing a lot more, certainly in the the legal and the legislative uh, areas, of course, which is kind of where I started out dealing with this. I mean, I have my own personal story, but uh, tell me, David, when you talk about parental equality, what what does that mean to you? Well, you know, parental equality is making sure that those parental rights are protected, you know, both, you know, mom and dad of, of the child. And so, you know, a lot of times under Constitution, we have those rights. But when we walk into the court system, a lot of times one has 100 percent and the other has zero. And what we're trying to do is get back to the balance of making sure that there's a 50-50 of well, we what we're trying to do in Maryland is a 50-50 um, rebuttable presumption that, that the parent equality, or as I call it, family equality, because family equality includes that extended family as well as the parents. Not to overshadow the parents, we want to make sure that there's parent equality and parent and family equality, so that that that, that child can maximize as much time with both sides of their families, you know, mom's side, dad's side, you know, and, and because, they, you know, the child deserves to have that. They deserve that right to, to know both sides. And so with the parent equality, it's just making sure that we're protecting the rights of both parents to maintain that ongoing relationship with their children. And, and you know what, I, I agree with that, but I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell you where, where, and again, this is, this is just me kind of thinking like, a, like a lawyer where I think that men can get into trouble with, with that particular scenario. Uh, and I'm not talking about court ordered. I'm just saying that you, you at least have the relationship where you can go and get, get your child. Oftentimes, a, a, a man will go and get his child and drop them right off with grandma or you know their, their sister or someone like that. 
I think that there's definitely a, a value in that. But I know that women literally use that to say, well, you don't have them anyway. How would you tell a man to deal with that particular scenario? Well, I mean, we are finding now more that the men are wanting to be involved. You know, based on the latest research from the CDC, they're showing that the father involvement has has definitely increased in the last few years, showing that men are more involved even when they have less less time, they want to be involved. So so to tell a man that, hey, I understand you don't have this much time with your child, well they're still they're taking every bit of that time, whether it's two days or or four days and, and maximizing, you know, their time with that because they know that's all they have. So I mean most men don't say, hey, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be involved. They they, they want to be involved, but they're being limit on their involvement i mean out of the 90 percent there's a 10 percent that don't want to be involved so out of the 90 percent that are involved about half of that is being removed of their involvement placed on court ill will parents don't want to share time with their children so the men are there and the men want to be involved so um i would just tell them to be involved as much as they can and then continue to exercise their rights to, you know, to be that involved father and parent. Mario, what are, what do you see with Empowerment for Life with this scenario? Um, one of the things, and I think what David just said was very powerful, um, is that there isn't a highlight of these fathers who want to be involved. They're hidden. Nobody wants to spotlight them. Um, you don't see powerful commercials, media that focus on the involvement of the father. Um, so therefore, this scenario and this narrative is established um, that the father really doesn't want to be that involved with his kid. I think the other thing that I'm seeing a lot of is that men have been fed a narrative that they do not have maternal instinct enough to care for a child. So what do they do? They take them to their mom, like you just said. When they do get them, well, they drop them off. But that's because over the years, a narrative has been sewn into them. You don't have the ability to really care for them. You don't understand their needs. You're a man, and so a man can't really understand the needs of the child. So what does he do? He feels inept. He feels very inadequate. And so what we try to do is to say to the man, you have uh, enough instinct, whether it is maternal. You, you don't have to be a maternal in, have a maternal instinct to care for your child, because as a father, your love and your protection is what that child needs. Um, we have to stop making men feel stupid when it comes to caring for a child. He's not dumb. Um, his love of that child. So I'm just saying that a lot of men have been fed a lot of foolishness and a lot of error uh, concerning that. But as David said, they are literally dying to be involved, dying to be a part of that whole thing. But their time is so short that you got grandma saying, bring them over here. You got auntie saying, but I want to see them too. They've got to squeeze that, that compartmentalized time in there. But like you said, it also fuels the argument of the mother. Well, you're not with you anyway. You see, but there's so many people on that other side of that family 
who really love that child and want to be a part of that family. So we, they know we've got to squeeze that time in there also. So I think two things, Tony and David, I think that we have to reassure men that they are adequate. They are adequate. And it's more than getting pizza and a movie. Um, they are adequate to take care, and they can instinctively know when there is a need. Uh, if we look at lion, uh, the, 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 the uh, male lion, he may sit off from the mother and the cubs, but he's watching the area and knows how to supply the security measure that that mother and those cubs need. So instinctively, a father knows what that child needs and has the ability to supply that need. And we have to trust that this father can do that. Yeah. Um, I, oh, I thought David was going to say something. Just, but Just amen. Yeah, I agree 100%. Yep. The, the, the other thing, too, is that uh, when you think about how we, how we groom, let's say, little girls and how we, how we deal with, with the little boys, uh, if, a, if a boy picks up a doll at two years old, everybody's up in arms. Nobody there. There's there's always something wrong with uh, when a boy starts to nurture, and I think that that creates a complex in boys. Now I'm not saying go out, run out, buy your boys dolls. I, I'm I'm not necessarily saying that, but what I'm saying is very early on, very uh, very early on, I think that girls are groomed to nurture in a, a mothering type of capacity. Like I have a four-year-old niece that has three or four different dolls and they all her kids. And, you know, she has this whole, she has this whole lifestyle, you know, where she take the kids, the, the, the little dolls to the zoo and all that sort of stuff. Um, and we all laugh about it. We think it's cute. But I guarantee you, if that was a four-year-old nephew who wanted to do the same thing, I don't know that people would encourage that. Yeah. What do you guys think about that? David, you want to take that for a minute? <laughs> I mean, by working in, you know, elementary schools, I've, I've worked with kids as young as, you know, kindergarten, and they do have, you know, more gender neutral toys and stuff like that we're finding. But, I mean, I think you're right. A lot of times society would look at a boy a little different if he was carrying a doll versus if a girl was carrying a doll. I think as we're moving forward in time today, we're seeing that it's showing that men can be nurturing, fathers can be nurturing and care, because we've always been built to be strong and, and, and powerful and not show our emotions and, and everything like that. But one of the leading things is showing emotion to our children and being able to show them that, hey, we can care, we can love, we can cry, you know, and, and we're still strong men, you know. So um, as far as, you know, so I, I don't see, you know, it, it as an issue as much as it is to show that, hey, if that boy can embrace, you know, and show nurturing, he's going to embrace his, his kids when he grows up or his wife when he grows up. He's showing that loving in nature. And a lot of kids, and when they're separated, they lose that you know, because they're, they're pulled away from that, that nucleus of being, you know, loved and supported. So a lot of times they, they find other things to go to, to find that nurturing. So, I mean, I, th I think it's, I don't see anything wrong with it. 
kid playing with the dolls. I mean, there's a lot of gender toys now. So, I mean, we, we, we should be nurturing, you know, we are, you know, we, I just, I, I don't have a problem with it. And what I, and I think, I think one of the, one of the, the critical things too is um, whenever, whenever a young man um, can be embraced by his father, and this is the thing that I think has to happen. I think one component that we're missing is that children literally bring out the nurturing side to a man. They cause, they cause that, that nurturing side to him to be exposed. Um, it's nothing like, and I think that this is what we're saying so much of is how much um, a child needs their father, but we never address the, how much the father needs the child. It's something about a man having someone to look at him with an expectation that makes him better. It makes him want to get a better job. It makes him want to go back and get a decent education. It makes him want to provide more because he has that innate need to be looked up to by his seed. And I think that that's very critical is that um, the, the, the seed giver needs to see that the fruit of his seed still needs to be connected to him in order to grow. And I think that that's what's going to happen. We've got to stop looking from this insecure state of our masculinity, believing that that somehow makes us soft because we want to hug our sons, uh, hug a man. We've got, to, we've got to get past all of that because that, to me, is a trick of the enemy. Uh, and it keeps a, a, a male child very cold. And we're looking at perversion, too. See, this, our society is so perverted that if a man is too... Uh, intimate per se with his daughter then we think something nasty if he's too intimate with his son we think something nasty Um, and so we cannot be governed by the perversion that stops us from doing what Christ showed us as a relationship even with his father so we have an innate need it's something so inside of us that has this need to display love and affection and so I think that, that, that we have to talk about this so that we can get men, um, because I think what has happened is they have systematically gone in and retarded that natural need to embrace their sons, to say, son, I love you, uh, without having their masculinity challenged. Um, and so I think that that's what we have to be able to do To That's what I'm talking about with support. We need to support our men to be able to say to them, brothers, this isn't about you being gay, homosexual, feminine, or whatever. We've got to say that straight up to them so that they will realize that uh, your sons need to know your hand, your arms. They need to touch you. They need to feel your embrace first because that's a part of their security blanket. And, and Latanya, I just wanted to, I found this quote from this article just recently, and it says, a father's love contributes as much and sometimes more to a child's development as does a mother's love. That is one of the many findings in the new large-scale analysis of research about the power of parental rejection and acceptance in shaping our personalities as children into adulthood. So when fathers can embrace and love their kids, you know, you, you're, you're giving them something that is going to actually empower them as children into their further and pass on to their next, you know, their, their loved ones or their children. So we, we have to show that, that love to our kids. Absolutely. And, and I wanted to, I wanted to approach that and have us talk a little bit about that because I think what is, what is very important 
uh, in this discussion about what about dads is, is really understanding that this isn't a simple situation. I mean, we, we are talking about multiple generations of, in, in my mind, like Mario said, you're muting out, not, not just the, the emotional part with the fathers, but, uh, you know, we all hear women say, well, I don't need a man. I know I, I posted a, we talked about this prior to getting on, that I posted something today on, on Facebook. One of the very first woman who commented, she was saying how, uh, the only thing that she could be to her kids is a mother and their father is so crucial. And she talked about her son and the things that she felt the father was crucial to for the son, but even for the daughter, you know, for her to understand who she is as a woman really is, is kind of based on her, how, how her, what her father shows in, in that regard. And so, there are lots of women, just like, you know, the, the night, you know, the 90% of, of guys, you know, there's, there's a percentage of women, I think that are, that are out there that really do understand that a lot of single women, really single parents, uh, that are women, we really do understand that fathers are crucial, uh, whether we have sons or, or daughters. But I think sometimes where, where we sometimes get it wrong and I, th I don't think single fathers do this. This is why I'm bringing this up is because I believe that, that women buy into the fact that they can be mom and dad. And that just really is not true. And I never raised my son that way. I was, I was always just honest, like, yeah, it's going to be some things I can't teach you because I'm not a man. They're going to be some things that I just don't know because I'm not a man. And you just going to have to kind of get those. Uh, later on in life. I just happen to be fortunate to have some people to fill in that gap. But what I want you guys to to really discuss is that whole dynamic of, um, and I think society reinforces that, that fathers are some type of way unnecessary, really, except when it comes down to, to finances. So I would like for you guys to, and whoever can go, just kind of discuss that dynamic. Well, my mom raised me, um, but we were blessed enough that my grandfather was the fraternal order um, for me. Um, my grandfather taught me how to shave, taught me how to tie a tie. Uh, my mom never, ever, ever um, tried to be my father. She never attempted to do that. And I remember um, one day I was, I was ministering and I was talking and I said that, and the women in my church got totally upset with me. They were angry. And I said to them, I, I don't say that to disrespect or dishonor you, but I say that rather to relieve you of attempting to do something that you're going to fall short of you because your children aren't expecting that of you. See, that's what parents need to understand. Sons don't expect their moms to be their dad. They never asked them that. They never requested that. And for a mom to put herself in that position, because we don't see fathers saying, uh, they have custody, oh, I got to be a mama and a daddy. Men don't say that. It's only women who are trying to do this dual role, which also, which also makes it very difficult after a while because the child has to hear that constantly. So what it does is it shuts out even their need or they think for him. 
That's how that information is transferred because she keeps reiterating to him, I'm your mama and your daddy. I'm your mama and your daddy. So then when his father attempts to come in, his mother has infused that so that even he or she does not feel the need for their own father. And so I think that that has to be dealt with without women feeling offended or that someone is minimizing their ability to raise healthy children. What we are saying, though, is that there is a missing element. There is a missing element that they simply are not able to provide, and it's okay. Whether that's a surrogate father, a grandfather, an uncle, what is important is the figure be there, that the figure be there. But don't deny them the ability to connect with mentors even, because it's going to be difficult for a child to even deal with a male mentor. If their mom has this savior mentality that says to them, I'm your wherewithal, I am your everything, look to me only, it's going to make it difficult for them to play sports, to be in the band, and to even respect male authority, even in the employment arena. And so I think that it does more damage when a woman feels that way, when she could really relieve herself by simply saying, I can only give you what my creator gave me, and that is motherhood. What do you think, David? You know, I, I I agree. I mean, you know, I can't, as a, as a father, say that I'm a mother, you know, of my children because I can't show those 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 things. So all I can do is be a father to my kids, show them, you know, what what fathers do, you know, and and also like Mario, I was raised by a single mom, not just because my dad wasn't there but he passed away when I was young. So my mom did the best she could as a single mom, but I also had granddad, stepdad, teachers, coaches, mentors, those things. And I think when we start putting that in that mindset that women say, oh, I'm his mom, I'm his dad. No, you're not. You're his mom or her mom. And and the father or father figure needs to come in and play that balance because it is, you, you, you make the child off balance when you tell them that you're everything and that person is nothing to them. So, I mean, only men can teach boys how to be men. Only women can teach women how to be girls, but we can also support girls how to appreciate men and mom can support sons how to appreciate women you know so I mean there are things that mom can do but she can't you know she can't you know do what a father does just like a father can't do what the mom does I mean I don't go on Mother's Day and say hey give me a happy Mother's Day but your mom saying oh it's my father's day too you know and so it's just, you know, I think we really need to understand that dads have their roles, moms have their role, and if you're a single, you know, I, I, I use a scenario, you're, you're not a single parent if there's another parent willing to be there, you know, so so if you're running around saying you're a single parent and dad or mom wants to be there, then you're just a separated parent that, that just don't want anything to do with that other parent being involved, so I mean, I think Mom has to do what mom does. Dad has to do what dad does. And you got to make it work, you know, so that child has that balance, you know, that balance there. Yeah. And I, and, and you're right. And I think, I think that really comes down to 
having two people that that really understand or or appreciate that this is for the child it has nothing to do with you it has nothing to do with me like look this child didn't ask to be here we did what we did under whatever the circumstances were these are some choices that that we made that resulted in this child being born and i'm not gonna lie it takes a lot to get there i i want to um I want to address one thing that I don't even remember who said it. Maybe both of you said it um, about I, I, now. I think it was Mario where you talked about uh, the mom being in a position where either she doesn't allow it or doesn't see the need or whatever the reasons are for other people to, whether it's mentors uh, to be a significant part of the child's life. Tell me a little bit more uh, about that, because I, I want to make sure I understand uh, where, like, your perspective on that. Um, I, I think that that um, many women have allowed their own rejection from that male to dominate their whole doctrinal belief concerning this matter. And so out of that rejection, they put this wall of opposition up. And they're looking for that support from that child to block that. I think it comes from a dark space, a dark place, um, when you have that. And it's almost dual because it's almost like you're crying out for, I want them involved. They should be involved with their kid. Um, they should be involved. They ought to be here. But then when they come, then you're like, uh-uh, no. And they put this wall up, you know, so you can't have it both ways. Um, and I think that, but that comes out of a place where you're making the battle against that man, the child. That's what we see is now you're making that child have to choose and the child is desperate to bring balance. And oftentimes uh, that child is put in a position to be the referee because, because that they innately want the balance. Um, and then you have the battle going on. And so uh, one of the things that I know is that one of the arguments is, from the female, what do I do when he doesn't want to be involved? When I want him to be involved, we've got to really look into that and see if that's absolutely the truth. Because oftentimes, uh, he doesn't want to be bothered with her and her antics. He doesn't want to have to go through. I've seen this personally, where there is this battle to get to the child and eventually the man says, I can't risk being arrested. I can't get caught off to jail because I want to see my kid. So it's easier to stay away. See, there are a lot of. Wait, I'm, I'm gonna have to. You already know I'm gonna have to stop you. You, uh, you already know I was gonna rise up on that 100. Like you, okay. oh, Mario. Don't okay. go there. Listen. Okay. <laughs> I, you know, I, you already know I cannot even let you put this out on this recording. And I did listen. I am not gonna, I cannot let you do that. Why? I cannot let you do that, Mario. Absolutely, absolutely. You don't not. believe that's I'm true. I'm gonna add somebody to. I'm gonna add somebody to the mix. Um. I got, I, listen, listen, he comes highly recommended. I'm not saying he going to co-sign on what I have to say, but, but Shay Williams is a, is a, uh, he's a, a social worker, but he's also a, a blogger and, and blogger. And I, I'm sorry, Shay. I know you was getting ready to say something, but let me say this. That is, 
borderline a cop out. Now, it, now it may be true because you you know Mario. I tell and and you know how we working in the workshops. I tell men exactly how to deal with that situation because at the end of the day, you can see you, you, the only your child is not just always at home. If you got an issue, you call David, and David will tell you how to get involved at the school. You got don't uh uh-uh. uh. I can't let you do that. Okay, but hold on. Okay, let me, let me explain. This. Okay, hold on. Let me, let me let me go here. Let me go here. Um, you are an attorney, and you know things that most men don't know. Now, watch what I'm about to say. I'm not saying that they can't go to the school, but watch this. The average man believes that he has to go and pick his child up. When there are women who block him at the school, he doesn't have the money to come see you. He doesn't have the money to come and get that counsel to know that there are other ways. When he goes to the school, he's going to be arrested for coming on the premises. And they tell him, your name is not on the records here. So what does he have to do? He has to leave. Now it's being reported that he came up here to see the kid. Now, oh, I'm going to have him arrested. Because he's being blocked. you got to deal with that scenario, LaTanya, that there are men that have been blocked on every phase, and it is easier. You know, I showed you that video of that man who had his children in the house and was doing well with them, and the mom shows up, and the visitation hour was not even over. And she's out there acting a fool and calling the police. The police said, wait a minute, he gave me his order. He has not even completed his hours with them. And you're over here acting a fool. Why? All right, here we go. There are more men that have tried to see their children in various locations, but have been blocked by smart women who have smart women attorneys who tell them how to block them. So we can't just say that all men are copping out because there are more ways to see them than school. We can't just say that. We've got to take that on a case-by-case basis because when we look at Father Anonymous, we see some low-down stuff that's being done to fathers to block them on various ways, to lying, cheating, deceiving, stacking the odds against these men to block them on every front. I'm not saying that they're not men who can use some insight as to many ways to get to their kids. And I'm not saying that they want to. When I say that they finally back off, it's when they have been uh, threatened with arrest. They can't afford to be arrested. They cannot afford to get into those arguments and fights with volatile, violent women. And Latonya, you know these women can be violent, and when the police come, they're going to take him away and not her. Okay, I'm going to reserve. I'm going to reserve what I what I want to say. <laughs> I'm going to reserve what what I want to say. Okay. I, I, I already see David is ready, but I, I I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Bashay come in and and. Somebody please speak to this. <laughs> All right, can y'all hear me? Yes, sir. Yeah. How y'all doing? What's up, David? How you doing, man? How's it going? Marilyn in the house. Right, right. Long time, long time. So I'll just introduce myself. Um, you said I'm a vlogger, blogger. I'm also a single dad. Um, I'm also a social worker, and I work with, I specifically chose a population that I think needed to help the most and what I could um, put some influence on, and that's males. Um, 16 to 21 age and out of care. And most of the time, there are no fathers. Uh, I ran a real fathers program where we use film to, uh, I played a film and they watched it, the dynamics between a father and uh, a child. And people, you know, they took notes on it, understand how the relationship failed or um, blossomed through that relationship. And then we talked about it. Then we put the child 
in our meetings, in our discussions, in our sessions, and they just develop their relationship. So, and one of the things I also do, another thing that I also do is I work with single fathers who are looking to um, have more rights. I don't do it on a public sector or that I kind of do that privately because again, I've been through it um, and I do a lot of, um, I call it dad advocating um, just to help dads get access to more rights and what they have and what they can access and how they can become involved in their, their, their lives. So, um, but going back to specifically um, that, uh, let me see, Mario, you said something about, um, and it's, it's something that I teach too, because I'm also a therapist, so I do family therapy. So, and what you described was triangulation, where the parents use the kids. They go to the kids, and that happens so much, and you put the kids in control of the emotions that both parents have. Mm -hmm. So that particular situation that you guys are talking about is where, and both of you guys have valid points because it happens on all fronts. There are women who are smart. And, and, and also, to, in the police eyes, a civil court order means nothing. It cannot be enforced. All they do is say, okay, you see it. Now, who's the one who's going to walk away and let the, ch the child go with the other parent? Um, I've been through that personally, and that's why I got into this whole um, trying to find out rights for dads. So um, it, there, there are ways where the, the work needs to be done so far ahead of time that it eliminates, like we need to be proactive in this as dads. We can't wait until hoping that someone, that the mother comes around. We can't do that. Initially, we need to come in and say we're going to be involved in our child's lives. Once you establish your presence in that life, when you, when, in your child's life, when you go to that school and they say, what are you doing here? You already have a reputation or, or relationship with the school that when the mom calls and says the father can't come, the school is going to call the dad and say, hey, what's going on here? So you have that relationship. Um, and not all of us are doing that, but I think, as David mentioned earlier, um, that we're starting to get, we were involved, but we're starting to get more recognition. Like, dad, being a dad is becoming cool. Like, people are really investing in their children in so many different ways. And it's not a situation where we're just sitting back. We're letting people know, hey, I'm involved because this is important to me. The relationship, and I'm going to jump all over the place because I missed a lot and I wanted to say a lot, but we're talking about the, the doll situation. Like I've had clients come in and we talk about the doll situation. In my generation, we had action figures. So our role was the action figure. The action figure protected the wife. If there were fake kids as animals or whatever, that's what the action figure did. We established the roles of a father whether the father was there or not, it was manifested in the action figure. Like we protected, you know, I was, you know, sometimes my father was there, sometimes he wasn't. But if my sister came with her, her uh, Barbie, I had He-Man, they dated, and He-Man took care of everybody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so <laughs> the family was created and it was okay because I knew if I had Barbie with me, the only reason I had Barbie with me because, I mean, um, he man needed a girlfriend or a wife. 
So that made it okay. Now, surely, it hold on. Now, surely you're not saying that the only reason that, that the woman needs to be there is be the girlfriend or the wife. No, I'm not saying that. I'm talking about as kids, oh. as being able and giving the pass to play with Barbie. Because Barbie was, one of the Barbies was always in my chest somewhere, my toy chest, because we needed to have a family. We needed to go hunting together. So, I mean, that was just the dynamics of what it is. Now we're getting away from that. And yes, there are uh, gender equal or not specific toys and everything, but we still need to understand that it's okay for you to pick up, you know, a doll or something like that. And that doesn't take away from your manhood. It doesn't take away from your, your manhood as a father to come into your child's life and give them a hug. Like I've been in so many different challenges on Facebook about when should you stop kissing your son? When should you stop hugging your son? You know, there was a, a big picture where like a, a kid was like 13 and the dad kissed him and everybody went up in arms about it. So it was, but it's interesting because people said, you know, I stopped. That's for like, I let the mom do that. Like he has aunts to do that. Like no man should be putting his lips on his son. Like my son, he's, he's in a room right now. You know, I only stopped because he wanted to. You know, he, he stopped, but every once in a while, in an emotional moment, he'll give a kiss. And I'm, I'm fine with it. I don't, I don't, I'm, it's nothing feminine about it. It's about all about the connection and the emotion that we have with each other. He knows I love him. I tell him I love him every day. We talk about different things that we need to talk about. We don't shy away from emotion, um, teaching, and what it means to be a man, what it means to be a father, what it means to be a son, growing up, all that stuff. We go over everything. Because there's not going to be an instance where he feels like he can't come to me for something. And I think it's very important that both sides, and as I said in the video, me and his mother, we've been through all types of court proceedings. When I'm coming in, it's like, who is this guy coming in? What does he want? Is he just trying to not pay child support and stuff like that? I'm fighting for connection. I'm fighting for time. So I know, like I said, I was all over the place. I feel like I... I wanted to catch up with y'all and talk a little bit, you know. Well, and, and that's cool, but but I think that that this this entire topic really really shifts us to an area that I really want us to talk about tonight, and that is parental alienation. Because I know both David and uh, Mario touched on it uh, a little bit, and I know you mentioned it. Uh, David, tell us though in in your work and and the reason I, I I really want you to speak to the whole legal side of it because I know you do a lot of lobbying and and all of that. You are very much in the face of every lawmaker, <laughs> every lawmaker in Maryland. Uh, tell us a, about this whole concept of parental alienation and how all of this. If if you if, is it feeding in any way, uh, or is that really impacting? Uh, the shift that we're seeing in the legal community? You know, first, I want to thank Paul for joining us because, you know, we got like similar cases. Like, we are like, we got yin and yang case. I mean, like, so I appreciate him. And, uh, but yeah, with the whole parental alienation, people don't realize how how much that actually is harmful. You know, I mean, Dr. Dr. Chris Childs has been talking about this for years, but now it's starting to come to light more and more. And and they put out a a, a release probably early early this year, I mean early last year, 
stating that that parental alienation is a form of psychological child abuse. So really what you're doing is when you, I mean, people already know, well, when you separate from a child or, or in anything, like whether it's divorce, death, when you separate from somebody, you are doing some type of mental um, disconnection that's going to impact the child or that adult. And so when you take a child out of the relationship and put them in one side and you block them from having a relationship with their other parent, you are not only, you know, trying to erase an identity of that child, you are impacting their mental health, you are impacting their social health, and 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 it, and it just does so much damage that and even Dr. Childs, he was like, the only way you fix a child that's been alienated from a parent is you have to remove them from that alienated parent so that they can get the, the, the help and the support that they need because just taking them away and then putting them back in it, it doesn't work. So, I mean, and we're finding that, and I, I've explained this to many judges and attorneys and lawmakers, I'm like, you are playing a part of that alienation when you put these bad orders in place to give a child only two to three days out of a month with one parent. I said, that right there starts the mental breakdown of that child and that separation of of their identity. And so, you know, it, it's just, it, it, I'm glad to see that it's more and more coming to light and, and the APA put that that article out, but Dr. Child's been talking about this for years, you know, that this is a critical, you know, issue that's impacting children, and it impacts a parent. I mean, how do you think a parent feels knowing that they are losing a relationship with their child that, that's part of them? And then the innocent child who has to know, well, I'm not going to see my mom or my dad, whichever one it is, because, you know, I like to stay gender on that, but more times it is the dads that are being alienated out of the picture, you know, but um, it, it definitely does create an identity issue and a mental health issue. I, I've, I've said it, and I said it this year in the session um, in Maryland, I said, this is no longer a civil rights issue. This is actually a mental health issue. This is a public safety issue because domestic violence and things like that and mental health, you know, so so we really need to look at the health issue of how these custody cases are impacting children and families. And so let me say this, um, I've talked to several men and just in studying over the years, um, just recently a father uh, killed his two children that was involved in a case of uh, a custody issue. Um, there is a psychological factor that um, nobody wants to deal with, it seems. They want to overlook it. Um, that there is a psychological assault that happens when a father is forced. Amazing, and I want to pick this up from what Bashay said, um, is that <clears throat> instinctively he knew that the action figure needed a woman to complete this equation. Not her role, it wasn't even about her role, as much as innately he knew that the family looks like this, and this is what the family does. 
And so uh, with little girls, and we go, we, and I put all this together, when we play house, um, I remember playing house with this little girl I grew up with in my neighborhood. Um, I would always enter the house as coming from work. I came in, she knew to have dinner ready instinctively, okay? So to me, there's something internal in all of us. Now, as we kind of grew and we were seeing roles change, my mom went to work. So the little girl, uh, she said, well, um, what are we having for dinner? And we would come in together from work because that's what we saw in both of our houses. So here we have it. Psychologically, when men are forced to have to have a court to decide when he can see his children, psychologically, he does not fare well. He simply does not fare well when he has to have a judge and a bunch of lawyers to delve out to him a time that he can see his seed. Because one of the true things about this is, is your children are your children, but they are always our seed. So now you're saying that I need a formal order for me to see my seed to interact, to have the government of time uh, left to someone else. And it doesn't matter what happens. I, the, that father is always going to be under a microscope. His behavior, his, his mess-ups, his follow-up or whatever, he's always going to be judged differently. And so psychologically, he has to go to work, and he's being judged and reviewed at work. Then he has to be reviewed concerning his child. And so psychologically, eventually, he feels like, okay, what else can I lose? Then another male shows up to the female. And now he has to wonder, how does this male impact my child when they can see them when I can't? Psychologically, he's losing it. And he's pushed by constantly having to now add, he doesn't have a problem. See, that, that's what I want us to get to. His issue is not very much monetarily. It's not monetary most times. It's psychological. That I don't mind giving the money, but somewhere in the back of his mind, he feels like if I give my money, I have a, a greater right to see. And what the courts are saying is, it doesn't matter how much money you give. We're still going to dictate when you can see this baby. And now psychologically, he's losing it. So I think that the alienation, as David said, has to be dealt with now as a human rights issue. It's psychological. It's criminal because it is causing criminal acts that a man would say, I would rather take my child's life and my own than to stay and live like this for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I, I just want to piggyback on that um, a, a, a little bit. And that's the natural order of being a man. Okay. So, you talk about the seed, you talk about the natural order and what we expect that we come in with developing a family. We are naturally uh, the leaders, whether it's bad leadership, good leadership, whatever it is. But naturally, that's our role and that's what we expect to do. So as you said, it is a psychological thing. And that's the first thing that I address when I have, <clears throat> when I have families and fathers come in front of me. We address the fact that there is someone that's taking some of that power that you're naturally um, expecting to have within your family. So we address that. And we talk about that to, for you to get over that and allow that to happen temporarily until you can to re regain control. So 
getting specifically to the issue where you said the father decided to make that decision to kill his kids. To him, that was taking control. To him, that was saying, if I can't control my family in this, nobody can. Right. So there's a psychological breakdown and there's the emotional and whether we, you know, men, you know, more of us are starting to get into our addressing mental health issues and how it impacts us and not having this, this tough shield um, armor over us and really, you know, breaking down our armor and really addressing the issues of how it makes us feel. That's important. That psychological breakdown of a man and his children is important. Then there's another piece that we talked about, what you said, the alienation of a father or another parent so many things need to happen in that where there needs to be a separation of relationships between the mother, the father, the child and the mother, the child and the father. Then you have the child and their relationship and understanding of how the parents get along. There's several relationships within the parenting relationship that we have to address. So when you do alienate a child, like I've worked with young men, I've had a young man that I worked with for five years. He saw his father once. It didn't matter who came into his life. He still wanted to have that relationship with his father, regardless of him ever knowing him. He at least wants to know why the father wasn't there. How can I rebuild the relationship? What do I need from him? What was I missing? What can I gain? That part needs to be addressed. We just think that the father's not there, let's just move on. That child, if he sees, like, because I coach other kids too, when other kids see me with my son, they respond, sometimes they respond like, I wish I had that. Sometimes they respond and connect with me as if I'm the father figure. Sometimes they totally reject my son because they don't have what he has. And then he's put in this space of my dad is always around with everything. How do I handle these relationships with my friends? So there's a psychological breakdown in kids as well. And then you have the mother. It's so many, like I said, it's so many different relationships that need to be addressed. And then you have the mother who's coaching, whose kids are on the team, and she sees, you know, coaches interacting with their kids. So then she has her own little issues going on. And then you have the comparison of her uh, son's father or whatever, comparing him to the coach's relationship with their son or the coach's relationship with um, the coach's son. So there's so many different dynamics and the alienation is so critical and it's so important and it's so damaging to not just the kid, but both parents. There's a, um, there's a question from uh, one of the participants and it says a father taking the life of his seed. Is it truly an issue of a psychological breakdown or an issue of spitefulness toward the mother? If you, if you, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, if I just in, in, I guess, simplest form, if you get to the point where you want to kill somebody, it's, it's past bite. Right. Past bite. You have to, 
there's something that has to happen within you and within your life for you to get to that point. You can disconnect from human life and understanding the value of human life. Whether you don't like that person or not, you can build up as much anger. But there comes a point where psychologically you you break or you say, hey, here, stop. So you have the id, the ego, and the superego. So at some point, your superego is telling you, wait a minute, like it ain't that deep. Then you have the id who responds initially and just says, okay, do it. And then you have the ego in the middle that says, okay, well, you know, these are my children. Like who is telling them that these are my children? And ultimately, I'm losing them because I'm mad at her. That doesn't, that hurts everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that it's, it is absolutely psychological. I think it's absolutely psychological. I believe that you've, uh, as Bashir said, Bashir said, you've moved beyond spite. Because spite just says you cuss her out. You see, key up a car. I'm not giving any suggestions. I was going to say, you know, you cannot be on this recording saying anything like that. I'm just saying. But when you talk about, when you get into a murderous position, you snap psychologically to even look at your kid and say, I would rather us die. You have had a mental breakdown. That is absolutely a mental breakdown. And some sort of way, this is why, again, with Empowerment for Life and what these young men are doing and uh, what you're doing is to offer support because we have seen the psychological effects of fathers who reach that point. And that support is so critical that they're able to come and at least talk this out, at least talk this out before you reach that point so that someone will be able to, and with my, our program, of course, being a pastor, I add the spiritual component to that. Because I really understand psychologically that this is also about your destiny and their inheritance. And when you start dealing with that with them, when you talk to a man about legacy, inheritance, his whole dynamic changes. If you can talk to him about legacy and inheritance, something wakes up in him and he begins to see life differently. And a little bit more of his fight comes out of him versus saying, oh, well, you need to get custody. It goes beyond that a little bit. But if you can start talking to him about, well, this is why you must change your mind. Because your seed has to be given an inheritance if it's nothing more than how you stood and fought. As even David said, um, and I'm not sure what, what Bashir's uh, history is, but as David said, going through court battles, after court battle, after court battle, all of that stuff, if there wasn't some support there to be able to say, where could David have gone? You see? So my thing is, this, that's why it's so, so critical for us to recognize that we have to deal with the psychological effect of alienation on the parents. We understand, and I, and I hear someone saying, uh, somebody um, said to me when we were talking about doing this, um, um, I'm sorry, Bechet, I'm sorry. Um, I don't want to offend you. I, I want to get your name right. Thank you. All right. Um, but, but I think that uh, a female said to me, but what about the psychological effect that it has on the mom? We're absolutely saying that it's a psychological effect on all parties involved. It is not saying that the mom doesn't have that or that the children, are, it's only the father. No, no, no. But we're talking about most mothers have a built-in support system. If it ain't nowhere but the beauty shop, <laughs> she has a built-in support system that will undergird her, and the father is normally told, suck it up, bruh, suck it up. 
Yeah. So, okay, so the response from the from the participant is that I this is what he says. He says, I can't see it, but I get where you guys are coming from. I do believe in a person breaking. It's just hard for me to comprehend breaking to the point that I purposely put my child in danger or or death. And and I think that even that goes to the psychological nature of it, because I think even the you know, the participants. Uh, perspective really is just he can't fathom ever doing that, right? Because he clearly is a is a healthy minded individual. Absolutely, and he may not have experienced what another father has, right? He maybe 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 he simply has not experienced that. And we're all built differently psychologically. Our breaking points, our points of pain, are very very different. And so we don't know what other factors are involved. So it's not really fair for us to say, well, I would never do that. I'll see how you could do that. Because we really do not know to what extent, if there's already mental illness there, uh, what has happened? I mean, so many factors involved in that. And um, so it is hard for you to understand uh, murder if you're not a murderer. You don't understand rape if you're not a rapist. Yeah, and, and the reality of things is that I, I think that what all of you guys said is that a father's instinct is to protect. And so I, I kind of feel like that's where that's where this participant is coming from. Like, if your natural instinct is to protect, it, again, may be harder for you to, to come to that place where you're looking at killing yourself and, you know, and killing, you know, and killing your seed. But I do want to want you, uh, you guys, to talk more about this because I, I think that the the alienation is actually the the spark that kind of leads to a lot of other things. So it leads to the child support issue. You know, you have a lot of ladies that say, "Well, why you want to come pick them up when you late on child support?" or "Why you want to do this?" You know, because of you know because of child support. Or you do have some people that. Uh, they really are, and and I guess I have to be the female or the mom's voice in this, uh, just speaking from a mom's perspective, sometimes there is a lot of fear involved. Um, all of you don't know, but I know a, a couple of you know, like like my situation. I mean, my son's father's never been a part of his life. Hopefully he'll see the video. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's never been a part of his life, but at the end of the day, um, I've never, I've never spoken negatively about him. Like my family's never said, you can't do this. You can't do that. Now, let me be, cause he really might see the video. So let me go, go ahead and be honest too. You know, at 18, 19 years old, I wasn't too easy to deal with. I ain't gonna lie. I can bring drama. So I, I do under, I also understand that aspect of it. The, but but the other side of it is that year years later those things were reconciled years later those things weren't there uh, and <clears throat> in my opinion he still made the choice not to be there so I had to I had to suck that up in the sense that I still had to allow that door to remain open because if he wanted to come in and out at some point that was going to be something that was going to have to be handled between the two of them if that made sense like that you have to answer to your child for that you don't have to you don't you you really don't have to answer to me like that was always my perspective now the the other side of my experience being as young as I was I really did think that these people may be able to to try to sneak and take my child I really thought that like I honestly and you know Mario you and I have talked about that 
extensively. Right. And I thought that. I really did think that. Now, I'm going to say what Mario said. Do not try to do this because you can't do this anymore. But because my son's father had not had any contact at all in three, I think it was like at the time, like three or four years, I had his rights extinguished. So he, we have to worry about child support. I have to worry about an issue. Now, he didn't know that. Most people don't know that. My son knew it when he was about 16. You know what I'm saying? Like it, was, it wasn't something that was publicized. If he still wanted to come in and be a part of his life, that opportunity was still there. But for me, there was a level of fear because of some other things that had happened uh, that I thought that they may, that they may want to do that. So we went to a lawyer and said, what are my options? You know, this is what I think may happen. And at the time, as the law existed at the time, now we're talking early 90s, but as the law existed at the time, um, you could extinguish right, you could extinguish your father's rights by publication. Um, you just put it out there just like you do, you know, anything else with when, when people leave. So um, I share that to say that I'm not just doing this for the heck of it, like, my my interest in this is because I want to fight for fathers that want to be there because I see the I see what happens when they're not there. I've also been that mother that bring that bring drama in a major way. You know what I'm saying? But I've also been that mother who admitted to that, though, even to my child, you know what I'm saying? And admitted to that and said, OK, you know what? Let's watch the past. All I want you to do is to be the father that you want to be and the person still didn't do it and so i had i have to i had to eat that for many many years um now here's i tell y'all this to say this so now that we're looking at that situation how does how does a situation like that when you guys see it on the other side with the whole parental alienation thing because you do have some people that i believe that just don't want to do it but you also have situations i think that may have happened in the past that they may be a little bit gun shy. How does that, what would you say to that father that has had that experience and now the mom may be saying, look, let's just move past that and do what we need to do. That's okay. Y'all ain't talking about me. I know y'all ain't talking about me. Well, I'm okay with that. <laughs> so I'm, 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 I'm not really clear on your, your question and, and cause it's, it seems like I'm, I'm trying to address two parts with that. Um, so the, the major question is how does a man come back into life when the mother is trying to push all the drama aside? Okay. No, my, my question is, let's say that there, that there is a history there. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, we talked earlier about the father who has issues, whatever, because in, in my scenario that I, that I present, we're talking about a situation where that door is open. There is no, there is no barrier to okay. that, that relationship, but there's been a, a, a large time gap. Okay. Right. Okay. So at that point, what would you say to the father? Because again, he's not just entering back into a relationship with his child. He has to reestablish some level of rapport with that mother. Right. So, because uh, I had a couple of clients that, that, that were experiencing that. And the biggest thing is to tell them not to forget the past or the history that you went through, but don't expect to come in as if you were there from day one. 
And that helps all parties. And to start from where you are, because that's one of the things we do as social workers anyway, clinicians, we meet the client where they are. So you want to meet your child where they are and have an organic relationship and start from there. You're not coming in and saying that I'm the father. You're not coming in and, and you're going to have the conversation of why you weren't there. Like you can't run from that. And you have to be totally honest as a man in a leadership role, as a father, you have to be able to, to look in your child's face and tell them that we were going through a lot without bashing the mother because you, you don't know what the mother said. And if the mother has open arms, then you should be at the point where you guys can have a conversation together. You guys should be on the same page. And that should be established with the conversation with the child is going to be prior to you uh, being reintegrated into your child's life. So with that, again, starting where you are and understanding what things are going to do, or what, what, what you guys are going to do from this point on, establishing your consistency, and you got to um, live by your word at that point. With the, 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 the child's mother, it's the same thing. You establish clear boundaries of what it's going to be. You leave that intimate relationship that you had prior, that's gone. You don't need to rehash or why you broke up and all that type of stuff. The relationship is about co-parenting and focusing on that and moving forward. Um, like Mario said, like I'm, you know, I'm a Christian and everything, so, you know, I sneak that in there when, and, and, you know, I try to throw that in there whenever I'm seeing a clinician and I, I find ways of throwing spirituality and my relationship with God and, and finding that source. And, um, you know, when there's a psychological break, there's also a spiritual warfare that you're right. most of the time you're going through that people don't acknowledge, but being able to separate the relationships and understanding where you're at and starting from there and moving forward. So that's my take on it. And I think I'd like to just say right here too, I, I agree with you. I think that the two adults have to have a conversation first and actually sit down and strategize the presentation of this whole matter. If they're divided, if they have not um, come together with a meeting of the minds and decided what are we going to cover? What are we going to leave out? What are we going to make sure that you and I don't discuss with him that was just between us? I think that, that it can't, he can't come in and go in shotgun. Right. He, he really can't. I think that two adults have to sit down and decide because a lot of this, a lot of what I've counseled and I've watched is a bunch of Photoshop images and edited stories. The mother has had the opportunity to really lay any foundation she wants. So when he comes in, if he comes in, as you said, Boucher, uh, not knowing what has been said to him, and you go in and start talking about some stuff, it's going to go sideways. I think that the two adults have to come together. If, they are, if, if their heart is open and turn toward allowing him access again, um, that child, as David said, whatever the gender is, is going to look for the mother for the cues. And she has to be open enough to give the cues to say, this is what we have decided to do. I have forgiven. I want them a part of your life. And this is what we want. he wants to say to you. And once I believe, and I've seen it, 
once the child knows that my mother is okay with this and my mother has moved on, no, it's not going to be easy uh, at all, but possible with the mom and, the, and, the, and that, that dad coming together, establishing a strategy for those parameters to be set, as well as how we're going to disseminate this information. That's how we're going to, and I think if, if we don't do that, if we don't get them to come together so that we can clear that air between the two of them, the rest of it is not going to work. Okay. I, I agree with both of them. You know, it's like you have to, the, you have to put those past behind you and figure out how do you create a plan, whether, whether the father was never involved whether he was maybe removed because um, he got locked up and now he's re-entering back into society and his family. So you do, you can't come in there with your guns drawn thinking that, oh, I've been gone all this time, or maybe I was gone for five years because I was locked up and it, everything's the same because that child has grown, has lost some things. And so, and, and you got to make sure that you come in there and you're honest and trusting with, with the child to say, hey, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm here for. And then working with that other parent to say, hey, how do we work cooperatively to make it best for our child, whether they're together still or separated with co-parenting, you know, and um, because at the end of the day, a child wants to connect with both of them. And you got to make sure that one parent is not breaking that connection, but actually linking that connection. Yeah. And, I, and just to, to add on that real quick, and because the last thing, like, as you were saying, as far as breaking the connection, you don't want to give the child the power to split the parents. So and if, let's just say this is hypothetical. If the mother has been telling something that is not totally clear and in line with what actually happened, and the father comes in, and is able to provide a timeline of truth when the child has had some doubts of, because kids, you know, kids pick up on a lot of things. Kids are resilient. They're able to bounce back, get stronger and, you know, faster than where we are. So if the, the, and it, that's why I would say it's for both parents to be honest with the child. If the kid picks up on stuff and says, wait, you're right, that didn't make sense. This is not adding up. So as the father comes in and he's providing information, providing his perspective, the, the child goes home to the mother and the link and the missing, the, something that was missing is being revealed. That creates a doubt and a tear, a small tear in the relationship between the mother and the child. Mm -hmm. So it's imperative that the parents are on the same page. And they dictate the relationship or communication with the child. You can't leave it up to the child and the mother's telling one thing and the father's telling one thing. That leads for the child able to split both parents and also the communication breaks down and it's not healthy. Because a lot of parents will put their child as the communication piece because the two parents can't communicate. So then it's like this child is, ending, is, is actually in the dart role of communicating with mom and dad when it's like mom and dad should be communicating and, and then the child gets all confused because if he wants to do something, he may say, well, mom said this or dad said this, 
you know, and so if the parents aren't connecting and the child is led to make those decisions, then it's like, wait a second, who's actually co-parenting here? <laughs> the child, the child, child is co-parenting with the parents. Right. right. Child parenting. Child parenting. <laughs> so in the in the in the time that we have left, I, w- I want to ask about this, and um, we we probably will not be able to fully discuss this, uh, but it's come up just a couple of times. Is this issue of um, custody, um, an issue of visitation, and uh, more so like the court involvement with facilitating whatever that that access is to uh, to the child. We all know, so we don't have to have a long discussion about the fact that uh, most of the laws are are very much pro-mom. I mean, it's been that way for at least a generation now. <clears throat> but what I do want to ask is, what are some what are some tools? So for for the participants that are on, and for people that watch this later in the replay, what are some things that when you guys work with your particular clients, what do you say to them? in terms of being ready for this fight that they're going to have to put up? Oh, no, I I didn't know who was going to. Well, you know, here in Maryland, we're actually changing the paradigm. We're changing the language, the culture, the concept, you know, removing custody, visitation, going with legal decision-making, parenting time, maximizing on, you know, the, the involvement, so when we work with parents, we're actually trying to get them to resolve their issues, come up with a parenting plan, do a mediation, you know, try to prevent them from going to court and resolve their issues through that instead of having to long litigate and, and, and bringing more judicial education and parenting education to the courts so that the courts know, hey, how can we get these cases in, get them resolved, or not even have to get them to the court you know, and just say, hey, this parent has a plan. This parent has a plan. Can you work it out through mediation? Oh, well, if you can't work it out through mediation, then the courts are going to have a plan and they're going to look at both of y'all's plan and try to find the balance that's in the best interest of the child so that that time, that parenting time is maximized. And and sometimes you do need to have a, a primary legal decision maker, but we still want to maintain that the time is shared. And then when those parents maybe are unwilling to cooperate, then they jeopardize some of their time. But really, we we just want parents to understand that, you know, how can you share your child versus, you know, saying, hey, this is my custody, this is my visitation, because, you know, and and, and, and saying, hey, you know, we we really want to encourage those parents to find a way to make it best for the child by having both parents involved. Because when both parents are involved, it helps them socially, it helps them academically, and it just, it's overall what's best for them. And it does take, I think, changing the laws, changing the um, concepts of how people think, and make decisions. So it, I, I tell people it's all about education, it's all about legislation, and, and advocating for, you know, the kids and, and, and the parents so they maintain that share time because that's really what you know it took both of them to bring them into the picture it should still take both of them to raise the child even when the parents separate so 
Well, I, I one of the things that that um that's really good. Um, one of the things that I said to men is that they have to be open to do their own preliminary work. Um, they have to understand the laws. They need to understand what they're up against. They have to be willing to invest in counsel so that they can be prepared. They cannot go in ignorant. Um, to sit down and to counsel people that have information for them that can actually help develop a plan so that when they do, if they do need court involvement, that they've already made sure that they have somehow developed a plan to go in and say, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I propose. And this is what I, and, and really important for me is to make it clear that he has done everything humanly possible to develop a shared parenting plan that he's well aware, he's knowledgeable, and uh, that he's making that, that effort, even going right back to what Tanya was saying in this piece, and I do agree, that he makes every effort to be involved by any means necessary, that he really, really seeks counsel. And I believe the critical piece is be sure that he knows how to find the counsel. And I think that that's what we have to do is to keep focusing that there is counsel, there is help, there are answers out here. There are people that have answers that can help you formulate a plan so that you go in with plan in hand, that you're able to even sit down with a proposal that's intelligent, it makes sense, uh, even if it means having someone to help you cite case studies where academically the child does better. Uh, to show a good employment history, uh, just to work on his behalf, to present him and to be able to give even his name a better narrative. Um, so that, that's what Empowerment for Life does, is just to help the, the, these men see that there's so much preparation on your end you need um, so that you can strategize and take it from the shared parenting perspective and show the desire to be there, but that you were willing to sit down and develop a strategic plan to be involved. Okay. My turn. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that with with me, of course, you know, my what I do is differently. I mean, you guys are like, you know, you you you're the advocates. You're you, you know, by the time they get to me it's already a, it's already a battle. And I was, I was sharing with, I was on a podcast the other day and I was talking with the, the, the host asked me, he said, well, what are, I mean, you know, fathers, they try to go to see their, their kids and the mother says, no, I mean, what do they do at that point? Uh, and that's why, you know, when you, when you were saying what you were saying earlier, I said, no, you can't do that. So it's lots of things that you could do. You know, and I started naming certain things, you know, if the, if the issue at the end of the day, if a man comes to me and he says, look, I want to see my child more. I really don't have any money to go to court, but I, I really want to be able to do other things. So like, for example, like Bashay mentioned about children playing sports, volunteer to coach. Volunteer, just volunteer to coach. If you got other kids, bring your other kids to practice. Now all your kids see each other a couple times a week. You don't got to go to court for that. Like, to me, that's like, well, let's do the workaround. If your kids go to church, right, on a regular basis, and you know that's where they're going to be at Sunday morning, 
show up at church. So if mom goes to court and says he's harassing us because he's trying to be a coach on the team and, oh, he shows up at church and now he's going to the school asking the school about how the kid is doing in school, how, how is she really going to look? Well, Tony, let me say this. Wait. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, let me, let me say this. I hear you. I do. But you're speaking from a mother's perspective. Because once again, I have a scenario right now where a father did that. And it looks like harassment. Okay? He did what? Went to the school, went to the field where he was playing soccer. And the mom is creating tension uh, there, that's why my perspective is I've seen that turn on him. He needs legal help there because sometimes that just doesn't work. That sounds that, like that's a true. That's true. Sometimes it doesn't work, but what I'm saying is what it does, it crushes mom's argument that dad is not interested in the child. Right. Crushes mom's argument that dad does not want to be a part of the child's life because what dad needs to do in that scenario. He needs to get statements from everybody at that field that says, listen, I was just sitting there cheering my son on. And listen, the guy was just sitting there cheering his son son on. He was acting a fool. Because remember, at the end of the day, you're also trying to, you're trying to prove a point to your child. If you do all of this and you lose, it is just like Bechet said. You have a record seeing in the law, we call that a contemporaneous record, where you got five years where, you were doing everything that you could. So at the end of the day, the other thing too is, hey, it might be harassment, but this is what I've told people after the game, you go ask little Johnny if he want to go to McDonald's and let little Johnny go ask mom. You let mom tell him he can't go with you. Right. Then you say, oh, well, you know what? Yeah, it's a school night, little Johnny. I'll pick you up on Saturday at six o'clock. You let mom tell little Johnny that he can't see you on Saturday. And guess what? If mom says, oh, yes, and you're supposed to be there at 10 o'clock on Saturday morning and mom get up and y'all leave at 830, little Johnny ain't a fool. He realizes that mom left the house so that dad couldn't pick him up. And on top of that, you have your documentation of all of this. That's what you do when I deal with because here's the thing. Money is an issue. Guess what? Latanya ain't cheap. And I cannot lower my fees because I have to eat too, which is why I work with organizations like Empowerment for Life, which is why I do things like this. And I'll tell you what to do because to me, it's more important that you know what to do when you, when you get there. And guess what? Even if it's not enough for the court, I guarantee you that it will be enough that when you do get that opportunity with your child, you can show them that you fought the fight that you knew how to fight. Right. I, I, I do get that. And I, I, I agree with you on that. My whole point has always been, um, and I guess maybe because I'm in Alabama. I'm in Alabama in the deep south where I'm looking at that being a number one, a cultural issue. And it is also an educational issue that these are why these programs that these brothers are doing is so important because it's an education issue. They don't know to do that. There, that there needs to be so much education that there is a better way to fight. There's a better way to compose this matter and to go about it because the only thing that they know is child support and court. That's all they know. They don't know 
anything else. That's why I, I, I support these programs because when you listen to them, they only know, they don't know these things. That's why I'm bringing you here because I promise you when you talk to them, they do not know what these guys know in Maryland, what these guys know in Dakota. Uh, they just know they're going to come lock me up. But I'm going to tell you this, you're right. But one thing they do know, I bet you they got a Facebook page. I bet you they have Twitter. See, here's the thing. If they want to know who rump shaking at, at club, whatever, they'll find that. So mm -hmm. my thing is, and I'm not just talking about dads. I'm talking about anybody. I'm saying the information is out there. Hey, listen, I found Michelle on Facebook. He connected me. He connected me to David. Now we're all, we're all connected because we're all doing the same thing. So what I'm saying is the information is, is out there. The information mm -hmm. is out there if you are willing to take the time to figure out where to start. And listen, any of you guys that are looking at this, stop listening to the street committee. Stop listening to the street committee that tells you that your baby mama or your ex-wife or whatever can tell you and, and do these things and you can't do this because she said you can do it. Stop listening to the street committee. So if you don't have any other resource, look at this video. Come to the Empowerment for Life workshop. Go to the Children's Rights Fund work, uh, uh, Facebook page. David, David, let me tell you, I don't know how many, he is the only person I know that has 47 hours in a day because he is, he is everywhere under the sun. He is sharing blog posts. I know he's been tagging me. So what I'm saying is there's a lot of information out there that can get you started. And can, to can do I the make very things that we're talking about. Can I make a comment real quick? Yeah. Because I do, I do understand what Mario's saying. I do understand what you're saying. And there are battles for, you know, because what we deal with with the parent engagement and the father engagement in our school system is we will not allow another parent to turn a parent away unless the court order says that that parent can't be involved. So we, we strongly encourage and we'll tell mom, you can't interfere with school. You can't, even in our Maryland statute says that, that a parent has a right to education to be involved. So unless something in the um, court order says, hey, dad's not allowed to be in contact, you know, but we strongly encourage that the, the dads be involved. But like Mario was saying, some of them, you know, they feel like they're going to be turned away anyways if they go there. So they don't even empower themselves to go there. So they need the support like like us to empower them to say, hey, you have that right to go to the school. You have that right to be a coach. You have that right to go to the church. And if mom shows this ill behavior, then, yeah, you can take it back to the court, stuff like that. And then you have documentation at the school that you've been trying to be involved. But, um, you know, so, I mean, what we try and, and we're building a program in our schools to try to just just for dads, just to show. And that's what we do with our fatherhood forum in Prince George's County. It's a it's a it's a forum just for dads in the schools being involved, increasing the male and father involvement. And so. They, they, they know that they have a welcoming because a lot of times, I mean, when, when I enrolled my son in school, which he just graduated in May, I was probably one of the only dads that was enrolling my son in school back in 2006. So now you're finding more and more dads are enrolling their kids in school. You got more single dads, you got more stay-at-home dads, you know, and, and, the, and, the, and the mom's playing that. 
um, independent, you know, working role. So, I mean, you know, our schools really strongly, at least here in Maryland and Prince George's County, are, are, are focused on the family engagement. And even the Department of Education puts down funding for family engagement. So they see how much, and, and this is before we got the new head of this U.S. education, so I don't know how engaged she's going Y'all um, gotta use the programs now <laughs> while you still got the opportunity. Right, let me let me just chime in real quick. Um, just piggybacking on what David Mario and you said Latanya as well. Um, and I've seen all sides of it. I have one client, well, I had one client that uh, finished my program a year ago. So he's down in the deep south. He's in Tennessee. So he's been through what you're describing in Alabama. I went to school down in uh, Tennessee and I worked for the juvenile justice and I worked for the juvenile judge and would deal with custody and all that type of stuff, um, interning. So I know the dysfunction and the trouble of what he had to go through and what I taught when I was there. The thing that I try to tell them is reframing harassment, allowing someone to say, I'm going to harass her until she lets me see my child. I'm going to harass him until he leaves my child alone. Mm -hmm. First of all, we're changing the thought process of my child into our child. The second is I am going to show my child that I want to be a part of my child's life. I'm going to do what I have to do to be present. And that's if you need to show up and volunteer, talk to the coach. I want to coach. Like you said, the mother, the child will start to see, why are you taking me from my team where all my friends are? The mom is going to say, because your dad is there? What is it, how creative can you get to the point where, I mean, it might work the first or second time, but as long as you're aggressively pursuing a relationship with your child, it's not out of spite, it's not to defeat the mother's control is to have the relationship. If you can focus on the relationship with your child as opposed to um, getting the upper hand with the other parent, then that changes your focus and your energy. That doesn't really die out. What dies out is trying to defeat someone who doesn't like you. Mm -hmm. Because you can give up on that. It's like, you know, oh, well, they don't like me. I'm just going to step out. But if you put the focus on your child, that's a different energy that you tap into because, like you said, that's your seat. Like you said, that's your – you need to be present in that child's life. So reframing your thought process and your focus on I'm going to be present. So when you deal with – you go down south because it's a little bit different down south. It is. It is. We're more progressive up here. We've been working hard. But, you know, there's some people down there who – are, you know, willing to challenge the system. Far and few between, but they're there. So, but if you get enough people, then you'll start to see a gradual change. Mm -hmm. You'll start to see one person who steps out and they discuss in a positive way, this is how I got to be a part of my child's life. Not, this is how I beat the mom. Wow. When you change that, like, we all need to really change our thought process and reframe our, our thinking to developing the relationship with our children and having our children be, you know, I, and I just was thinking of like, it's like fathers in arms, 
Like we're together, we're supporting each other globally. And what we need to do to support each other and provide different resources, even if it's a conversation, when a time of just somebody who's doing what they're supposed to do and they feel down, they feel ready to give up and having a conversation with saying, okay, I get it. We still got to go. Still got to go. So I think we just, you know, need to have more conversation about that, more support. I agree, man. I, I totally agree. And I'm not uh, 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 opposing what Tanya says. I'm speaking from uh, my understanding of the persons that I'm dealing with, that they're so desperate and so, so in dire need of knowing how to develop that mechanism to fight. But as you say, reframing the fight to be able to say, okay, this is what you do now. This is how you do this. That there is something beyond going to Lee County and being stuck in there and, and you know what I'm saying? Um, and, 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 and Davidson County, because I was in Nashville for a long time. Okay. Thing. Yeah. So I, well, I think it's so important now to introduce this population. You said upon getting on, on, on this uh, show that you chose a population to serve. Um, this population has to be educated that there are mechanisms, and that's my whole point, that we must train them in the mechanisms. A warrior must be trained to fight. So he has to know that there are ways for you to get around this and tell you your word is the workaround. <coughs> for the workaround to be able to say that, but I have to acknowledge, because if you get them in a room and you're telling them that stuff, this is what they're going to say. I'm conveying what you're going to face. Uh, when you tell them that, you know, I tried this, but this happened. So now we know that our agenda must be to formulate these mechanisms will help you recreate your narrative. Because you guys know how it takes a man to get in a different mindset. As you said, not fighting the mother because you don't like her. Accepting that, but moving back to your seed. That's, that's good. That's good. Yeah, and, and just before we go, I think the, the other thing, and again, we clearly are going to have to have a follow-up to this, but the, the other thing that we, that we also have to fight are, are, all, are all of those other, you know, all of those other issues. You know, I pay child support. I don't want her to get her hair done. I, you know, I saw my son, and I think his shoes was too little. You know, whatever. Like, there, there are certain other ancillary things that I think we have to deal with, um, because this is an ongoing conversation because again, we, what we're really talking about is a mindset change. You know, what we're really talking about is really helping people understand that this is, this is a value based discussion. Like you can't just decide that this is something that is, is irrelevant to you, even if you're not a parent. And even if you are a parent, if you're not in this situation, because it still affects all of our lives. So we have run over, but I want to give, I'm going to start with David and I want to give everybody like a last, a last word. Well, first I want to thank all of you. I mean, it was a pleasure spending my evening, you know, engaging in this dialogue with, you know, great minds working for others. So, I mean, you know, all I'm, I'm saying is be a presence, be a presence in your child's life whether you're a mom, whether you're a dad, you know, put that child first, make sure that you're doing what's best for them and, and just continue to be an advocate for your child, you know, and, and um, 
you know, you, you anybody that wants to, you know, reach me, they can reach me through my website, which is org or www.100fathers.org. Um, really, a lot of times it's about giving people that, that moral support to be empowered, to step and challenge those, those, those things that are in their way and show them how to do it. And so, you know, I just want to say thank you. And I definitely appreciate the work that each one of you guys do here. Bishé. Uh, I want to start off by saying thank you. And thank you for inviting me to Tanya. I had a, it was a pleasure talking to you guys. I just came back from basketball practice with my son. So, um, I definitely enjoyed um, this last two hours communicating and discussing this, which needs to be communicated and discussed more and more so more of us can have the information, education, and understanding of rights, roles, perspectives, understandings with fathering. Um, the one thing that I want to leave, and I, let, and I think I talked about this in the uh, initial interview, is, is don't give up. Um, when times are hard, don't give up. Imagine your child is you. Imagine your child is your father. Um, or you, imagine you're, you're the child and then you're looking at your father um, wanting him to not give up on you. And as far as uh, us as fathers, one of the things that we need to fight for is, like you said, David, presence. And being present in your child's life. Um, and and not wanting to not wanting them to go through some of the things that we went through. We want to be uh, leaders, examples, and we want to improve their lives, their lives. And as you're sitting there and you're involved in a court system, treat them like you want your child to have the best. If you want your child to have the best, you're going to do what you have to do to make sure your child has the best. You're going to advocate. You're going to fight, you're going to support, you're going to be present, and you're going to push through obstacles so your child can have the best. So I said, like I said, reach out to one of us. You can, my email is bashewilliams at gmail.com. I have a website. It's more focused on relationships and stuff like that. Um, that's bashewilliams.com, but I do do co-parenting. I kind of keep it light on the website. Um, but if you want to do some parent coaching, individual stuff, then I can definitely help with that as well. Um, but understand there's going to be some spiritual, we're going we're gonna to get us some spiritual stuff. You're going to take them to church? Yeah, a little bit. We, we, we're not going to go to church. We're going to go to Sunday school. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a pastor, but I understand the principles and understand it. And I know where I come from. So we're going to talk about that. And then you can build some of the strength that you feel like when you don't know where to turn, the ultimate answer is always there. Yes. So, but again, thank you for having me and I appreciate you guys. Awesome. Mario. Um, thank you so much for having me. You know, I, I admire your work and honor what you are doing. I honor you guys. It's really great connecting with you guys. And Tanya, thank you for being that conduit um, that connects really, really great minds. And you guys are awesome. Um, I honor your work and I'm praying for your work. Um, because I really, really, really want God to bless your efforts um, because this is the kingdom to me. What you all are doing is kingdom work because it has global impact and it's about humanitarian efforts. 
Um, so really, I, I pray that all of your work and your hands are blessed at what you're doing. Um, I think what I'd like to just leave is um, there is always hope. And for maybe a father who's listening tonight, there is hope. And I hope that what you have taken from this event tonight is that there are people who are committed to your success that they are really committed to you doing better, getting a great expected in, and really there to support you on every side. Um, sometimes you can feel alone. Sometimes you can feel that nobody really understands. But these men and women that have come together tonight understand you holistically. And that's the critical piece you need to know. So reach out to us. You can follow me on Facebook or Empowerment for Life on Facebook. Um, I do a coffee with Jesus every day, pretty much. We're just encouraging you to live a holistic life uh, on Facebook. Uh, we'll be up, uh, coming up with a website very, very soon uh, to push Coffee with Jesus and Empowerment for Life. But um, I'd love to get together again to just let people know uh, on the four corners, uh, North, East, South, and West, that there is a movement where we are raising up men. This is more of a movement than we know, um, that we're raising up men uh, to be fathers. And I believe that it's more critical than ever now that we come together and take our personal experiences and turn them into something positive for somebody else. And so that's what I honor about everybody because we all seem to have a personal experience, but in a kindred spirit. And so I believe that we can all do great things together. Thank you again so much for being great, great people that I honor you tonight. Awesome. Well, I, I want to also thank you guys as well. I told you all individually and, and now collectively that uh, I am really honored to, to really know you guys and, and watch what you're doing. But more importantly, um, I'm honored that you have trusted me enough uh, to partner with your effort. I know it probably wasn't easy. Most of y'all probably, you probably called Google or did some type of background to make sure that I was legit and I'm okay with that. Um, but it, this is something that is really near and dear to me on, on a personal level. And I want all of you to know that you have really also been a part of my opportunity to heal from some things that I needed to come to terms with. And this, this actually gives me a personal platform uh, to, to do that and, and also utilize, you know, the tools that I've learned both through life and education to help other people not go through what I went through, but also help both men and women understand that this is really about our kids and this is really about the future of the world. Um, on the kingdom side, I won't take up too much time talking about that. I leave, leave all that, that part up, up to Mario, but I will say this, um, the way Mario and I connected is that we had a conversation about there, there's a shift on the spiritual side. And I think that for a long time, there has been, um, there, there has been an effort uh, to really just blot out uh, what a, a father really is. And that's what I was saying earlier, that if you, if you remove the significance from the father in the natural world, it will almost be automatic in the spiritual world. And we will continue to perpetuate that uh, throughout life and throughout our generations. And it will be, it will then become a generational curse. And I think that 
Uh, I believe that there are people being raised up. You know, I ain't saying people pastors or nothing like that, but I think that there are people that are that are being raised up to uh, really push this legitimate effort to bring awareness to what's going on, but also having uh, the tools and and again the education and the expertise necessary to help resolve it. So. You all are those such people. And again, thank you so much for being a part of this. Thank you to all the participants. You all stayed, <laughs> which is not typical. Uh, please go to the uh, faith. You can go to my Facebook page. Um, I'm on every social media platform at Latanya Moore. So you can see me there. We do have this event on Facebook. I would love for everyone to take the time to go to the event page and at least leave us a comment. Uh, good, bad, ugly, and different about uh, what what the takeaway was from this particular event because we want to be able to do things that are valuable. Uh, and uh, again, thank you so much for your time. We did go over. I do, uh, you know, but I still appreciate your patience. Uh, you can find me at latanyamore.com, www.latanyamore.com, and again on all social media. Uh, anybody else have anything? I'm good. All right. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. And I will make sure that you guys get a, um, a link to the recording when I put it on YouTube. Okay. Okay. All right. Good night. Good night. Five hour tea with caffeine from green tea leaves. It's delicious, energizing, and comes in three amazing flavors with zero sugar and four calories. It fits your life with its compact size and portability. It goes where you go to the campsite, the hiking trail, the beach without weighing you down. Five hour tea. Caffeine from green tea leaves. Release your natural side from the makers of 5-Hour Energy. For more information, visit 5-HourEnergy.com. Try 5-Hour Tea today. Look for all three flavors by the cash register at your local TA and Petro shopping centers. The end. Mommy, let's read another. Every child needs to read, but 60% of U.S. children in poverty don't have a children's book in their home. This summer, you and your kids can help change that with Save the Children's 100 Days of Reading Challenge. See how at savethechildren.org read. Once upon a time, a little girl wanted to become an animal doctor. Save the Children. Changing a life lasts a lifetime.